This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay. And in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is brought to you by Gamefly. Gamefly is a way to buy and rent all your favorite games while saving money. Go to Gamefly.com, pick your favorite games, and have them mailed directly to your door. Just go to Gamefly.com scoop with an exclamation point and start your free premium 30-day trial today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN GameScoop. I'm your host, Damon Hadfield. Joining me this week is Justin Davis, Scoop. Brian Altano, Bruh. and Sam Claiborne. Three scoops. We've got a great show for you this week. We're going to talk about Super Mario Odyssey. Mm. Yes. We're going to talk about shooter campaigns. Mm. But first, the plot thickens with the... Like a, like a stew. Like a bloody, gory stew. Wow. The Evil Within 2 seems more and more likely. I didn't think you were going that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Evil Within 2. New info, you know, so Bethesda has not officially announced Evil Within 2, but many people think that will be one of the games that they're showing at E3 this year. And QuakeCon. And, well, QuakeCon comes later on in the the year. They gotta have something, right? They have this big press conference at E3. At E3, yeah. And then they have QuakeCon. It feels like if they don't have games that are Fallout or Skyrim, what are they gonna have at this? Mm -hmm. Maybe they announce a game at E3, or have a trailer or something, then have a longer playable demo at QuakeCon. So the new info this week is a, a job posting a leaked job posting that was not meant uh, that was only meant to be seen internally in some job boards mm-hmm. did you apply uh that's an that's a very rude question to <laughs> <laughs> the supposedly leaked job posting uh is for q a and translation for the evil within 2 mm-hmm. the game is named in the supposed leaked uh job listing however i i might have a, another scoop for okay. us i use my investigative skills Mm -hmm. and this job runs from april of this year to october 31st the job ends october 31st spooky which 
course, is Halloween, which is a good time to release a horror game. And this year, October 31st, is a Tuesday. I don't get why they'd fire so, the person the day the game comes yeah, out. Yeah, right. You would think that their work would end a month at well, least before the game came out, correct? Yeah, they got to be working on that day one patch. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know. Is it, your theory I, that, that we're going to get the game this fall? On October Halloween yeah. day, which is a Tuesday, which is when games come out here in the U.S. It's got to be VR. All, that, I'm totally down with that. That is awesome. It that is a, that's a great idea. I like v- Evil Within. It's a fun game. It's not as good as Resident Evil 7. That's, what I, that's the question I wanted to ask. What do we want from Evil Within 2 in a post- Resident Evil 7 world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I didn't play uh, The Evil Within, but what I like about it or respect about it is it's filling a place in, like, survival horror that Resident Evil's kind of walked away from. They yep. backed away from it, and this other franchise is there to sort of pick that up. And so that's cool that, like, you know, if Resident Evil's going to zig, then then uh, then Evil well, Within can zag, and then yep. both things can still exist. Except I think Resident Evil 7 sort of leaned back into that classic, slower-paced survival horror. Well, yeah, but you know, first person, and uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a very different experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that both games, when I finished them, I was like, I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> both those games like had completely indecipherable stories by the end of them. I really enjoyed both of them. I have, I, I couldn't tell you what was going on by the end. Mm-hmm. What yeah. I really liked about the Evil Within um, were the settings versus Resident Evil, which were um, really a lot more grounded in reality. I mean, the reality of a nightmare house full of mold people, but still <laughs> a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I didn't like about the Evil Within was that there wasn't like I would kind of want a more of a kind of like Metroidvania feel that I think Resident Evil had, um, where it was this big interconnected house. Whereas Evil Within, you would reach kind of like a point of no return where it didn't loop back on itself, and you're just like I'm in some crazy mountain area. Oh, and now I'm in a haunted house, and now I'm in a cellar. Like it was that's sort the of old Resident Evil, or sorry, not old. Yeah, that's the middle Resident Evil period thing where you just like four, where you just start yep. in one place, then you're like I'm in a I'm in a dam, then I'm in a mine, yep. then I'm in a castle, then yeah. I'm in a crazy temple, and then I'm like, yeah, it's so Then you're crazy. on a jet yeah. ski. Then you're on yeah. an island with like a, a, a tech lab. Yeah. And then you're finally. We at Tango is a Shinji Mikami's company. Yeah. So, right. I mean, we just completely missed that part. Like yep. the godfather of Survivor. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, uh, you course. know, not at Capcom it's now. Maybe all coming back to me now. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Um, again, like uh, there were there were parts mm-hmm. of, the, of of Evil Within where I was completely baffled by. There were some really annoying parts, but I liked the idea as a whole. Um, I liked I really liked the enemy design in that game mm-hmm. and characters in general. Um, like crafting was really cool. Like the weapon stuff was great, um, and it actually had that survival horror element of like I'm limited on ammo and and weaponry and stuff like that. So I yeah, will, will not play the sequel or the original. You don't like spooky well, he just, games? Yeah, he just I don't like, I don't like being spooky. spooky. Huh. I, I didn't even like the spooky parts of Zelda. It's <laughs> a, a pretty real spooky m- island up north. Mildly spooky. I, yeah. I, I have a funny you, story about the Evil Within. Did you do that? When yeah. Bethesda had their, their own booth at E3 uh, the year that Evil Within was supposed to come out, and they had this giant brain there that is, I, I think, like a character or an iconography in the game. Mother brain. Yeah, it's like this big mother brain covered in like barbed wire, and they just put it in this like kind of like weird room area uh, with this pulsing, screaming sound over it and this blaring lights and there was this lady i went up to do an appointment with the bethesda booth to do like a booth tour video and i walked up and i was like hi can i uh can i do like a booth tour and she's like what and i was like like we want to just film around here and she's like i can't hear you this screaming brain (laughs) and like she'd been there for like three days and she's been like light flashing and she seemed really distraught 
So E3 is the same thing as Disneyland, where like somebody is hearing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. But E3 is only three days long, and I wonder how they can stand it. Like I just have that Breath of the Wild music like constantly on yep. loop from last year. Like every time I hear it, like yeah. kind of triggers these memories of being there. But I can't imagine the people are that are hearing this. No, I mean we yeah, talked we, about like it. you see that art installation, you're like, wow, look at that creepy screaming brain. But yeah. for her, she yeah. lived it. She lived it for like four days. And like even something idyllic and wonderful like Nintendo's Zelda Takeover. Like I was in that booth for a while. And the sun rises and sets, and the music plays. And you're like, oh, it's so beautiful and yeah. wonderful. But if you heard that 45 times a day, seriously, no. We told the story on Beyond this 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 week about the uh, Ducktales remaster that came mm -hmm. out, and the people in the adjacent booths just had to hear dun, 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 yeah. dun, 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 for four days yeah. straight, and just so there it how, is. My, I'm getting to the point. How do people work at the Teacup Riot in Disneyland? Yeah, uh, just playing that very merry on birthday song. Over yeah, and over. I mean, have you probably ever, high like, turnaround? People who like do it for like six months. Long. Yeah. And then, yeah, or, I think that's or it. Or do they work in shifts? They only go out for an, yeah. half an hour and then they get go to the churro cart. And they go yeah. to like It's a Small World or like the, uh, yeah, I don't know. If I you mean, work at Disneyland and listen to Game Scoop, let us know. Send I mean, also, I know people do because I, I got recognized com. at Disneyland actually. From, from you got recognized? Yeah, by a, a person working there. Yeah, and if you're if you are listening, if you're uh, if you're going to E3 this year, which you might be because fifteen thousand fans yeah. are, stand in one place for a long time and yep. see how long you last. Wait, did those tickets sell? Oh, I haven't we, checked. We'll if check they've... in. We'll check in. Also, yeah. please just Not stand stand right in the middle of the concourse for people trying to walk. Yep. yep. Just stand right there with your yeah. phone out. Yeah. They we get our own version of that at the IGM booth because there's like this hardware manufacturer right next door to us that plays the same dubstep song on loop. Like we all the we also day. do it to ourselves. We have this yeah, like yeah, yeah, IGN yeah, yeah. live song. It's like <laughs> and we'll be back in just a moment. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Why does that have to play on stage? I don't know. <laughs> just for people but listening, they'll play it throughout the year, and I'll just kind of look up at Damon and I'll just be like, yeah. What day is it? Uh, well, I don't know. I really liked uh, Resident Evil 7. Yeah. That's sort of like uh, repositioned the Resident Evil series uh, in my mind as the the leading survival horror franchise. So uh, I'll be very interested to see what the Evil Within 2 is all about. Totally. We'll see if that is announced at E3 this year. Why and do all those mold people have such great teeth? Mm, mm. In which game? In <laughs> so, Resident Evil yeah. 7? That's a good question. How do you know that if you didn't play it? Uh, I saw. I think like Kotaku wrote an article about it. Oh, and really? then Once you see it pointed out, it's like they all have perfect mouths. Uh, the black ooze creatures. It's just a, the family. Oh, the it's family. It's a side oh. effect of the uh, treatments. Because sure. I was gonna say, I don't envision that family having great teeth before mm -hmm. the yeah. black mold even happens. But you know what happens when you remove their limbs? They just grow back. So maybe wow. their teeth just grow back. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Maybe they're already lost yeah. their teeth, and this is the new teeth. Got yeah. it. See, solved it. You know when you die, your hair, teeth, and fingernails grow up to four feet long? <laughs> your teeth your teeth grow four feet long. You, you, you just told, you told half a truth here. Every variation of that's a myth. Uh, speaking of Resident Evil 7, one of our listeners, Eric Pereira, writes in to say, I have some concerns about the suspension of disbelief in video games. Yeah. He has some concerns. In Resident Evil 7, you can open doors from both sides by pushing it open, but this makes no sense because True. doors don't have 180-degree hinges. Well, do you push well from first both of all, sides? there are totally doors that can open from both sides. Yeah, cool yeah. doors and bars. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Saloons. Yeah. That's it. Like Maybe at a restaurant. Rooms. It's called a swinging door. Well, that's a whole different thing. Uh, but sure, cool thing. all sorts of video games do stuff that are that facilitate you playing the game. They just like fix 
uh, nuisances that we have to deal with in real life. Because yeah. like, why would we deal with that crap in in a video game? No, doors just, are doors are universally terrible in video games. You, like you open it and then like you get stuck on the edge of it, and sometimes you open it and you're stuck yeah. behind it, or you got a companion and they're stuck, and you got to shut the door and get them by the door and then open. And, the and door. while we're here, doors are terrible. If you cut off your arm, you can't duct tape it back on. Nah, come on. Like well, I don't. Yeah. I, I always take offense with people like, "What do you mean, blah blah blah? This is a game with mold people." Like I can still get behind like just because the game has mold people doesn't make it immune to pointing out silly things sure in the game. but i think like, i think the duct tape armed decapitation thing <laughs> is something that has nothing to do with mold people they just throw it in there you put you have a watch on you put duct tape and you're, you're good to go yeah okay so there's a there's doors that are, are uh, doors are terrible in games <laughs> well there's doors that are worse in resident evil games because yeah. you used to open a door and then you get would go black yeah, and yeah. it would show stairs and it would just go up one at a time yeah, yeah. Everybody's like, that's for suspense. It was a freaking loading screen. Yeah, it's yeah. not for it suspense. For, it took forever. And, uh, and and also, I have a list I've just developed of top worst doors in games. Top yeah. worst. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's so we great. Got, we it? got the uh, the the doors in the Fire Temple and Zelda Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Oh, I hate those doors. You go up to them and you open one up and it's like, I'm not a door. It's like, wham! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are bad doors. Those are in a few games. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I believe you fight a door in Final Fantasy yep. in, that just turns into a big monster that you have to fight. In which Final Fantasy? You have a wall. What about yeah, the doors? There's, there's walls. There's the advancing walls. See, it's hard to do topless on the floor. What about the what about the doors in Metroid Prime that shoot when you open them mostly? There you go. But also You're, sometimes just stay still. Yeah, the force field moves back, but then yep. it doesn't open. Because it's, it's, like it's still loading. The original it's Prey good. or other sci-fi games that have all those butthole doors. Oh yeah, I don't like those doors. Or like at all. the like in, inside Dead the, Space has one of those. Yeah, yeah. butthole doors in Dead Space and uh, in Ocarina of Time when you're in the whale. I read a thing. Mm. I read a, a blog post a couple of years Jabu ago. Jabu Jabu belly doors. They're really creepy. I hate those doors. You have to shoot like a tonsil and then yeah. it opens. I hate those yeah. doors. <laughs> I read a whole thing, a blog post a couple of years ago from a game developer about how doors are like the hardest yeah, thing to terrible. make in video games. Mm. See if I can find Well, how that. are the doors in Breath of the Wild? Fine, except for they seem to shut. At th- they shut in my face. That totally happens to me all the time. When I like, go into someone's hut and I talk to them, and I'm like, "Okay, I'm done." And right as I'm they're, going they're back timed, out, it's like Poof. they're timed exactly wrong. Like they leave the doors open that's for a totally while. True. I think so that you can pop in and pop back out. And but no they seem, loading. At they, all. Yeah, that's incredible. They seem to be timed exactly to shut right in Link's face. Yeah, I think that's the Blood Moon is hiding the loading in that game. <laughs> no, oh, really? Did you know that this so isn't in our list of 100 sporadic. things? You can tell when a blood moon's coming because the whole day before, uh, all the enemies' eyes will be red, and they're normally so, they're normally like green. So and crazy. Link just seems down. Yeah, he's not doing well. <laughs> we have an email here from Tony in Greensboro, North Carolina. Is it big Tony? Just Tony. Okay. This, this uh, is just regular. He Tony. might be big. To- he might be a big Tony. We don't in know. Tony. He's just identified himself as Tony Got from it. Greensboro, North Carolina. He emailed us at the email address. Gamescoop at IGN.com, just like you can. He says, good afternoon, Damon, and everyone else at Gamescoop. I love your guys' work and look forward to the show every week. My question for you is this. With the excellent reviews and strong reception that Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild has gotten so far for the Nintendo Switch, I was wondering what your thoughts are on whether Nintendo will duplicate the same type of success for their other huge franchise staple that many Nintendo fans are waiting on, Super Mario Odyssey. Although he may not be as heavily involved anymore with the development of the games as he used to be, I can imagine Miyamoto and his team are hard at work to bring us another memorable experience with Mario. I can't wait to play Super Mario Odyssey later this year when I get my Switch. Love to hear your thoughts. 
Yeah, I mean, in the trailer, I mean, we're going to find out more at E3. But it's already clearly they're going back to, we talked about, I, I love that we predicted this on Scoop, that Mario's going back to its more exploration-oriented, like bring the camera back down behind yep. Mario's shoulder and more like the 64 and sunshine, wide open spaces for Mario to explore. And uh, you don't know, we don't know that much about Odyssey, but it's moving back in that direction. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I think people get fatigued when they see this guy, right? Because they're kind of like, he's been in so many games, there's been so many 2D games, so many 3D games. There really haven't been that many. I mean, we've got Mario 64 and Sunshine were the... Uh, the only ones in that style. Were the only ones in that style. And like, it was Galaxy, like, full 3D. Galaxy's dope. Like, that Galaxy's Love one of my favorite yeah. games of all time, but I'd much rather have this than Galaxy 3. Yeah, like, Galaxy's the same way with sort of like segmented areas. It's not really open world. You don't have that big like sort of castle hub or yeah. the, you know, the, the Sunshine area yeah. hub where you're just on vacation you can pop in at different yeah. levels um so this feels like it's doing that again and if you think about it in all the years we've had mario like 30 years now um this will only be the third game in that style i mean i i adored 3d world that's some of the hardest i've ever laughed playing a video game mm. but again that's it's like different a, it's mostly a, you know kind of locked camera um yeah. focusing on multiplayer even the 2d stuff like we haven't had a real 2d mario in a long time outside of mario run I mean, they feel, and Mario Maker. Yeah, they feel pretty different. Like Mario, you know, they're all platforming focused, but like Super Mario 64 didn't have any bricks in it, mm. you know, didn't have any mushrooms in it. Like it was a very, very different game. Um, and, it had uh, bricks, but they were weird. Well, but not, re- not yeah, really. Yeah, they didn't really you know? do anything. Like, uh, so, and Mario World was very different than 1, 2, and 3. Um, you know, Super Mario World was very like secret and puzzly. Um, so... I don't know. Like, I, I feel like Mario has been very distinct and reinvented itself several yeah. times over the last 30 years. But all these secrets are what needs to come back in this game. Yeah. Mm. That's what I, I, I remember. I was reading the first review ever documented of Super Mario Brothers from the, uh, the, uh, the people that were in here to do the live stream, our save point live stream that are running the game history. Stephen Lynn and Frank Cipaldi. Yeah. yeah. And they, uh, they have this, like, I, they tweeted out an article, which was like the first scan ever of Super Mario Brothers. And the person, like, it doesn't give it awesome. a perfect review. Where's the review from? It's from like it, since nobody was reviewing Nintendo games that early for sure. It's from like a like Some like, like a local college computer journal type wow. thing. Yeah. So the person says the thing they emphasize is how many secrets are in the game. It's like oh this is a really cool game because like it's really fun to explore everything and you want to break every block and see what's in it and like that's what Zelda ended up being is like the Mario type game with like they really double down secrets and and like super. T- same thing as Breath of the Wild, right? But I, right. I like Mario games like that because it includes platforming to get to crazy stuff that that's like secretive. And man, the castle was the best part of Mario sixty four because yeah. like you can just explore that with jumping. Yeah, it's so exciting. Yeah, and there were so and many like cool stuff. little weird nooks and crannies. And you yeah. walked over there. There was a rabbit with a star. There was a Yoshi yeah. on the roof. Spoilers. There was the a rabbits in the basement are really interesting. Yeah. yeah, there's little toads that you can talk to, and every now and then one of them will give you a star. Uh, like looking up at the sunshine, and yeah, then one level lets you fly. That blew my like, mind. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really cool. So I'm totally with you. Yeah, discovering secrets in any game is like that's oh, my favorite thing. But Zelda's about exploration, which yeah. is different than Mario. Mario kind of explores an interior or a smaller area with like cool platforming and acrobatics. While, so while we're here, really one of the things I definitely want to see come back that was in Mario 64 along those same lines and we uh, was originated in Mario World was the idea of like beating a level where you can hit a switch that would turn on a certain type of block throughout the entire world. Yeah, right? In Mario World, you hit the yellow blocks 
from that one like yellow palace, and all of a sudden they're all they're everywhere. Yeah, the three and you have a reason palaces. to go back yeah. to older stuff and be like, what did I change? And find new it's, stuff. It's find a kind of Metroidvania element. I really want um, alternate exits because that, that was really cool in Mario World and yeah. some of the other Mario games. Um, being Those able to keys like out of there, and yeah, all out. Yeah, get, uh, playing levels completely different. Like I mean, some of the underwater levels in Mario World, where you could just go under the level and finish it a different mm -hmm. way. Yeah. Stuff like that's and awesome. And the stars are kind of did that with levels, right? They're like, here's five ways to play in this playground. Yeah. And I always thought that was a great idea. Maybe it's time for something different than the five stars, and like to tie it. To, do you, to, yeah, to do tie you guys the level think that this is going to feel like a reinvention on the same level that, that Breath of the Wild is? How cool no. would that be? <clears throat> well, that's what I want to say. So, when comparing Odyssey and Breath of the Wild, two things occur to me. Odyssey seems to be going back to a more familiar mm. uh, 3D Mario that we that we miss. Whereas Breath of the Wild is taking Zelda in a totally new direction. Mm. I don't think it's going back. I think it to, went back to the first game. Except it yeah, feels even so much more open-ended uh, and exploratory than even the first Ocarina of so? Time or the first Legend of Zelda. I think it's exactly the same as Legend of Zelda on that level. Well, just the tools are different. Except that, uh, you know, I, I get your point. I mean, it hasn't been like that since that game. I mean, doing dungeons so is that really and Zelda? stuff like the freedom to truly go <clears throat> up, down, left, or right. Sure, like that's very evocative of the first game, but it is doing something new with the confidence in its physics and chemistry. Yeah, systems. it's, I mean, it's, it's also definitely what doing it's a doing, lot new. What it's doing for, <laughs> for open sure. world games, even if you just ignore anything else that Nintendo's done, yeah. Um, yeah. has set the bar so high. Like the ability to climb everything, everywhere, makes even going to something like Horizon. Which you can't really do that. Yeah, you get stuck behind a mountain when you go back. Constantly, to play Horizon. constantly. I mean, you feel like you're on a film set a lot of the times in Horizon because there's just a backdrop that you have. You, you basically like bunny hop up, but you feel like you're faking it or glitching it. But it looks amazing. It looks really good. <laughs> but I think that like if you're making an open world game now and you can't climb everything in it, um, that's why. Yeah, yeah. So, Red Dead would be really good with climbing. Yeah. Mario has always been about the joy of moving Mario about in that space. It always just feels good to play. Uh, and Breath of the Wild is the first Zelda game that sort of matches that feel for that franchise, I think. Like, just the uh, the maneuverability in that game and moving Link around and the combat. It's the good first point. time Zelda has really felt good in the same way that Mario does. Because, like, that's, that's Link used really to not true. even be able to be to jump. And his sword was terrible. Yeah. Like, Link was, like, super limited in the original <laughs> Legend of Zelda games. And in Zelda 2, even more so. Like, it's kind of yeah. crazy. Like, yeah. you play Castlevania and you can, like, whip as least, at least as long as your character yeah. is tall. And Zelda, you always... Like, but like now, like, even if I'm not doing anything productive in Breath of the Wild, it's still a joy just to run around that world and explore yeah. and yeah. Yeah. feel the controls. Glide into somewhere new. Yeah. See what's Jumping up. with the top button is a little bit weird. And But that feeling... I used to it real fast. That feeling I you're describing to. is what I think uh, Mario's always been fantastic yeah. too, right? Even from Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, yeah. And, and especially you look at something like Mario 64, you could just run in circles around that, that courtyard, triple jump, backflip. Yeah. Like, I want more acrobatics along those lines like yeah. mario 64 felt like playing like what what it's like to be jackie chan you know like he's just like wall jumping and just like he's completely acrobatic yeah. and i want that feeling of freedom back i want like the timer gone i don't want any of that stuff i want the ability to be like you put me in new donk city that's dumb new level that they have which looks so much fun and i want to be able to get up the side of a building differently than anybody else can because i think that having those stories of breath of the wild like how did you solve this puzzle how did you do this thing and yeah. everyone's got a different approach to it i kind of want that in mario you know it's as freeing as the the climbing is just the gliding in breath of the yeah. wild yep. like i love how you can like if there's a payoff for getting up really high it's that you can see stuff that you need to get to secret stuff mm -hmm. which is really cool and then you can just beeline for it yeah, yeah. and sometimes yeah. you get shot out of the sky <laughs> 
Yeah. So, I mean, the way that bad I, things happen. But I, I like I like that you can even if you're falling, you can just fast travel. Yeah. Yep. Out of that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, the way you I can in falling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I didn't any, know that. You just get you're losing combat. That's yeah. new. Like you, games are usually like yeah. you're falling. You can't yeah. fast travel. Yeah. Um, the way that I play the game now is I've uncovered all the towers. I have 66 shrines. It's 120 total. Um, I pick a spot in the map where I don't have a lot of shrines, mm-hmm. and then I go to the nearest tower, then just paraglide in that direction and see what I find. And yeah. Like, yeah. I, I'm gonna run out of things to do soon-ish, but I probably have four or five evenings less of, left of being able yeah. to still just fill in sort of the corners of the map that don't have a lot of shrines unlocked. Yeah, on and every time I think I'm like, oh, I've seen all the map, I, I head into some corner and there's a labyrinth or there's Eventide Island, which is one of my favorite sections in a video game. There's have also, you guys done Eventide Island? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's also the, there's a, so there's a canyon that I think most people just kind of paraglide over, but there's stuff down in it. Yeah. Like, yep. like this, yep. it's, yeah, there's layers. Yeah, sometimes the deepness of the levels are that, the world is so amazing because I'm like always trying to get to the top of stuff. Yep. And then I get to an area where there's like a big canyon. There's yeah. like all this stuff down there. I'm like, I don't know if I ever want to get down there. How am I going to get out? Yeah. Also, <laughs> Gan- Ganon's castle on its own, like no matter which way I've approached that, and I'm, I haven't even beaten Ganon yet. I'm not trying to. Just I'm taking my time. But just going in the castle and yeah. just sort of rummaging around the basement or going yeah. into like the servants' rooms or mm-hmm. it's just this huge labyrinth and there's treasures throughout all of it so and bosses awesome. and mini bosses you've never fought before. It's a huge dungeon. It's fantastic. And impressed. Uh, no spoilers, but you beat the game last night, didn't did. you, Justin? Yeah, ending was great. Awesome. Um, I was very satisfied. Like it's hard. Like it's a giant hundred-hour adventure. Like how do you end something like that? And um, yeah, it was totally epic and interesting. I took a billion screenshots. I almost died because I was taking so many screenshots. Um, <laughs> just because it looked good. Yeah, it's just oh, cool. very. Uh, it, 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 it's not hard. Um, I lost a billion hearts, but you know, I'm just shoving stakes in my mouth. That's fine. I didn't die once, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's not hard. But it's very, very uh, intimidating. It's very creepy, and uh, the atmosphere is they they really got it right. Right. If I had to recommend places to go next in Zelda that are not the main stuff, I'd say Mount Lanero, which is like a yeah, that's great a big snowy mountain with a really mm-hmm. cool thing at the top. Even Tide Island, which is like an incredible side quest. Uh, on the coast, I won't say where. Maybe the best. And then thing. I love the labyrinths. Mm-hmm. I, the labyrinths I really, really recommend cool. people check out the yeah. labyrinths. I actually I did really love one, and the puzzle was very like cl- like I was I couldn't figure it out, and then I had that light bulb moment where I'm yep. like, oh, is it the one off the tech lab that you have to glide to? I didn't do that one yet. I did the that one one's payoff is so cool because there's an additional thing. There's, there's a like a security area, yeah, yeah, room of death, sure. and it's really awesome. Uh, I would recommend like one special Zelda thing: go north of the Lost Woods. There, it's mm. there's a little island north of the map, and a really cool thing. <laughs> there's really a cool cl- thing. on the map. There's a clouds. You can't see what it is, but it's I actually cool. love the uh, southern coast along the beach. There's a town down there. There's like a bunch town. of like wild horses. Underrated town down there. There's this woman who has like a uh, an ancient guardian fetish. Yeah, and she's she's like hugging this she's ancient the one guardian with the, with ball the orb that won't let it go. She's like, I just really love these things. Bring me pictures of them. <laughs> and you're like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Wait, it's that's great. not the jungle town. That's a different town. Uh, different she's just a lady town. who's just on her own because no. no I'm town. just saying you're talking about a different. Oh, diff- you're yeah. talking about a different town than the jungle one, though. Oh, no, that's the jungle one. Yeah, okay. but near there, there's a like woman the who no town will allow. Living really? Because she's insane. I haven't seen that yet. That's so cool. I made it to the master sword last night, but then I couldn't pull it out of the stone. I didn't have enough hearts. Like man, such a that was a bummer. A, so basically, go everywhere and do everything because I yeah, there's <clears> very few things in that game where I've been like ah. more people need to get access to the game. Yeah, because I, it's just a landmark game. We don't need to put more switches out there. But I hope people can buy it this Christmas and yeah. like, you know get it. It's like I mean, it's or, totally going to be you. one of those Play games game. that we just talk about forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Really, really that I think good people are going to be on that wiki on that guide on mm-hmm. IGN for a very long time finding yeah. stuff out. 
Yep. It's good because uh, Brendan Graber, rest in peace, <laughs> killed himself writing that guy. <laughs> he did, he yeah. definitely It's did. just amazing. Amazing guide work. Hey, listeners. Did you know you can rent video games from home with Gamefly? Their selection is over 9,000, and you can keep the games as long as you want, unlike the weapons in Breath of the Wild. They offer movie rentals now, too. For a free 30-day trial of the premium service, go to Gamefly.com scoop with an exclamation point. The proper spelling of scoop. Now you know, and knowing is half the battle. Game Scoop! Uh, the next email is from Ronimal from the ATL. And he says, Ronimal, he says, think Danimal yogurt. But ah. it's spelled Ronimal with an O-N. So I'm going to go with that. Got it. He says, around the end of last year, I picked up Gears of War 4 and The Witcher 3 during one of those Black Friday sales. I enjoyed both. And The Witcher 3 deserved all the hype ever. It may be my new favorite game of all time. Something that I've wondered, though, is Gears of War 4 had a single-player campaign of 8 to 10 hours. Witcher 3, if you just did the main quest, was at least double that, but a regular playthrough has some big side quests you do as well. It got me wondering, why aren't there shooter campaigns that are longer? Is that the reason AAA RPGs are so few and far between? Because building all that content is a high-risk, low-reward proposition for a developer. Yeah, that's exactly it. Why no. are why are shooter campaigns so, so short? There nope. are shooter open-world games. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Borderlands is big. That's true. The Borderlands campaigns are really long. Uh, I mean, they this, have to be made that way. Well, no? RPG campaigns are predicated on your character getting stronger mm. and better. And there's some of that, you know, like, I'm sure, like, everything's an RPG now. So, like, in every shooter, you're, like, upgrading stats a little yeah. bit. But they're still not RPGs in the way that The Witcher is. And so that's what allows them to give you a feeling of progress. And as you progress through the map, you're seeing stuff. They're like, oh, I can't do that yet. I need to leave and come back. And a shooter campaign is just kind of missing that. Well, it's also in predominantly multiplayer games, the yeah. uh, completion stats for players of the single-player campaigns are oh, generally yeah. abysmal. Yeah, what we, I forget the stat. Battlefield 1, like only 10% of players finish the campaign. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. On like Xbox it's, One, at least. It's, it's abysmal. And then it's like, I mean, that's a very vocal minority, right? Because there was like, we want a, a campaign. People with uh, Titanfall 2, right? It's another thing where it's like, no one really bought that game. And the people who did, uh, you know, uh, only percentage of them actually played through single player. Although you hear about how great it is from, again, the vocal minority. But when you look at the bottom line, uh, a company is probably saying, well, why, did, why would we waste two years making this when... Yeah. We can just focus more on multiplayer and sell just as much. So it's tough, man. I mean, I, pr- I prefer a good long single player campaign when I can. But I didn't need any more of Gears of War four. I didn't. No, I didn't either. <laughs> I think there's like a sweet spot with with first person shooters um, in general, uh, where it's somewhere between like five and eight hours. If it goes overboard, that I'm kind of like yeah. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a gigantic Gears of War fan, but um, and everyone insists that the second half of that campaign of four is better than the first. But I just I fought wave after wave of robots, and then eventually put it down and played. I did games. the same thing, yeah, and I felt really bad because I really wanted to get into it. I feel like um, I cover so much PlayStation stuff here at IGN and so much Nintendo stuff here at IGN, and I have an Xbox One Day One edition. I bought it the day it came out. I try as much as I can to fall in love with that console's exclusives when I can, and then that one came along and it just didn't connect with me in the same way the old one. Did yep. and I tried, man. I gave it everything I could, but eventually I just walked away. I just got bored. I can't remember having like a really good first person shooter experience or third person shooter experience single player recently. Uh, I really, Titanfall. I really liked the uh, well, I really like Titanfall, but I, I really liked Infinite Warfare. 
And I'm not a Call of Duty fan. Yeah. Well, yeah, you liked the campaign. Yeah. Right? I totally liked the campaign. It's short. I thought the characters were interesting. I thought, like, the conflict was interesting. Um, it didn't ever get, like, Call of Duty campaigns are all, like, you know, kind of very repetitive, but it didn't really repeat a lot of ideas. Uh, it's a little bit nonlinear. You're, like, the captain of a spaceship, and you get to choose, like, where you want to go cool. and what you want to yeah. do. Um, it's not, like, incredible, but I played through the whole thing and was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I give cool. I give Call of Duty a shot every two or three years and then never stick with it. But this one I stuck with and liked a lot. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited for Battlefront too because specifically it's going to have a, a campaign in it, and that's and, you know as a Star Wars guy, that's Star Wars campaign. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yep. You know, I thought the Titanfall two campaign was really fun. Yeah, yeah. not like. Like, it's not on the level of, like, a Half-Life. Dude, I'm totally two, with you. There were people who totally, were like, that's... totally fun. People were like, that's the best first-person shooter campaign ever made. And I'm like, it's really good. Oh, no, it's not. But calm down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I still haven't played Doom, and everyone says Doom is really yeah, fun. I Last year's Doom. Doom. I, that's, that. I want to get to that sometime. I didn't like it. Yeah. I know everybody else did. That's um, Yeah. I love the campaign in Perfect Dark, but that's a little bit different. It's like, you can play that very slow and methodically, like a stealth game if you want I told to. you it's been a while yeah. since you played one. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's almost, it's like Perfect Dark. It's Perfect that, Dark. It's that style of shooter, like it's almost more of like an adventure. Yeah. Are you talking Perfect Dark Zero or Perfect Dark? No, Perfect Dark. But yeah, Perfect Zero. Yeah, Perfect Dark Zero I did not like. But I Perfect played Dark, Perfect I Dark again on uh, in, Xbox Live in Rare Replay. Oh, and Rare Replay. Well, I mean, yeah, but it's the Xbox Live Arcade. That game is still fun. It's awesome. Well, what yeah. I love, totally holds up. It's what I love fun. about that game is it's got this sort of like Mario 64 vibe to it where you can basically go in and beat the level or you can go in on yeah. harder difficulties and and play to your, you know, mm -hmm. to your skill level. Like ticking on different criteria of things you had to do in GoldenEye and Perfect Dark. Like I don't know why, know why it's a, not a thing we see in more first-person shooter campaigns. I really where like, it, like scales to how difficult it is. There's more objectives. There's side roads you can go on. I like um, games where you manage like some kind of weapon inventory and have to like really think about what you have all the time and I feel like games like Titanfall and Gears of War are like no you're taking these anything can kill anything just walk through the game and I yeah. don't like that very much I'm totally so. with you that's why, like, I, I mean, I think Half-Life, Portal, and Metroid are Metroid Prime are, like, the best first-person adventure games ever and, like, I, there's nothing that's living up to those games right now mm -mm. Uh, the next email says, my name is Anthony Schultz, and my wife and I are from Spokane, Washington, but are vacationing in Portland, Oregon for the week. Mm. Sam, a few episodes back, mentioned Ground Control mm. in downtown Portland. I've never an, been. I just hear it's cool. As oh, it's an arcade cool, yeah. and bar worth checking out, so my wife and I made sure to hit it up, and we absolutely <laughs> loved it. Thus far, we've been three evenings this week Ow. drinking Whoa. and gaming to our heart's content. In essence, I wanted to give Sam a shout-out for recommending such a fantastic barcade and was wondering if anyone on the panel had any other suggestions for similar places in the U.S. to visit. Yeah. So Portland actually alone is probably the most dense uh, bar, like arcade barcade uh, city in the country, right? I don't know because last month I was in Chicago and now arcade bars are all over yeah. Chicago. That's like there's every two neighborhood. barcade locations yeah. now in, in, in uh, New York now. Too. Yeah, there's one there's in, called on, Barcade. Yeah, there's one on St. Mark's called Barcade, which is the old like punk rock tattoo neighborhood. That's, yeah, like, and, now and it's that, totally different. It's like a chain basically. Yep. Now. I was I was there. A opening, ago. The same yeah. owners are opening one here too. Is that the yeah. one that's here on Market? Is it Barcade? Uh, no, yeah. that's called Brewcade. Brewcade, sorry, yeah. it's not really. And like Brewcade's all right. Yeah, it, like I don't think you need a 
beer to make an arcade great now, but that's really popular. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a combination that happens. Well, it's what's nice about it is that it keeps the kids out. Like they're often not allowed to go. Like a place that serves well, true, alcohol yeah. and doesn't serve food, they can't have kids in it after a certain mm-hmm. time of day. Like, yeah, I mean, I worry I'm, about the quality of the machines sometimes at bars. Sure. Yeah, and sometimes they have to really think about both. Yeah. They yeah. can't just be a bar that has twenty arcade games because they're well, always beat up, broken. Beat up it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a place we went to, Justin in Chicago Emporium, I went back there last month, and I was disappointed. Like the, a lot of the machines were just in terrible shape. But like the we're flip hardly side is, that's too bad because I hear Emporium is really great. There's two locations in Chicago. One is okay, bigger and better than the other one. The evening we were there, though, I mean, I don't know how you were doing. I was in rough shape and uh, in good shape. Yeah, I was, was in very good part. shape, and I was very happy to just put some quarters in Rampage. Like, I'm yeah. not even sure all the buttons were working. <laughs> I didn't care. Like, Sam's point that, like, you want to have your machines in good condition, yeah. but there's also an argument to be made where you're just going to putz around and put some money yeah. in something mm-hmm. and not care that much. Yeah. So, I, and I, pinball's different than both those things because, like, they have to be in good they shape. They have to work, yeah. I have two really high-end recommendations. One is 82 uh, in downtown L.A. It's just awesome. Good. Everything it's about it's great. Great game selection. Some of the rarest games. They have an environmental disc of Tron, which you get inside. I've never seen that anywhere. Uh, all the new pinball machines, it's really awesome. And then they have an upright duck hunt machine, mm. which is a versus cabinet, which is just super hard to find. Like, it's you know, you'll never see it anywhere. Good Nintendo stuff. And then, of course, in the Bay Area, like, absolutely go to Free Gold Watch. It's the best arcade. It is so awesome. It's like 70 games. It's Everything's in good shape. I operate games there, full yeah. disclosure. And <laughs> it's it's really great. It's right behind Amoeba. And it's just awesome. You can bring your it's own beer. It's a very beer. cool spot, yeah. It's, it's beautiful, too. Mm. It's super cool. Yeah, they're all over the place now. Yeah, I, I wish I would have had that in my early twenties. No kidding, I know, right? And those yeah. games were yeah. like, uh, you know, only half as old as they are now. Then, yeah, they would have been true. in even better shape. We had Replay Lounge in uh, Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah, so I recommend the Replay. Still, still. There. it has four games in Lawrence, Kansas, and it's still, awesome. It's pinball themed bar. It's great. All right, time to play video game. Twenty questions. Oh we actually gosh. had a uh, controversial or a, a thought-provoking question posted to me on Twitter today. The question was: If if the game were RoboCop and the question were, do you play as a human? What would I say? And I was like, Oh man, I don't know. You get stumped all the time. With so I put I put the call out, and I got like half and half responses. People saying yes and no. I think RoboCop is more robot than than. Man. But I think he's more. Man. I think I've been a little. Point of the story, isn't it? I think I've been a little too strict on my answers. Looking up uh, some v- twenty questions rules, it seems that like sometimes or maybe are acceptable answers. So oh. maybe I should be a little more. Mm. We're screwed. Op- yeah, yeah. We're in real trouble. so maybe I should answer maybe on some of the questions like. Oh that. my gosh, that would be horrible. Well, all right. Anyway, let's. Uh, th- this week's question or suggestion comes from Billy. All right, Billy. And let the questioning begin. One of the characters in Double Dragon. Uh, yes. Bimmy, actually. Yeah. Is it Bimmy? Bimmy and Jimmy. Bimmy and Jimmy. Bimmy and Jimmy in the original. Um, <clears throat> do you do you collect uh, and spend currency in this game? No. Can you see your hands? No. You guys. Uh, does it have a multiplayer mode? Uh, <laughs> You're way in the weeds. Yes. You can't see your hands. That's correct. That's actually <laughs> kind of an incredible. That means that it eliminates every 2D game. Yep, and, and and every third person game, and pretty much every first person game, and many first person games. Maybe a pause. Ooh, hooves. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Did they did this game come out before January first, two thousand? Yes. Um, was this game exclusive to one platform? No. Uh, did it come up before 1990, January 1st? Yes. Good. <laughs> Good. It's an 80s Good. game. Could be a text adventure. 
I always feel like Damon's going to try to pull one of those over on us. This is a non. This is a non-exclusive multiplayer. <laughs> oh, was it multiplayer? Yeah, yeah. Non-exclusive multiplayer, multiplayer text mode. adventure. He had to look it up. Where could you, be a mud. Where you don't collect anything and you can't see your hands. <laughs> can't see your hands is really going to trip me up. Non-exclusive. <laughs> because well, like that eliminates almost every game. That's why we ask it. That eliminates every game where you can see your character. Unless you have hooves. So what? So like Battle Zone, maybe. Like what know. was the tank game? Was have, that Battle Zone? Yeah. With the vector graphics? I mean, it's yeah, also but it's not te- te- Tetris, I mean, you can play two right? players in it, but Yeah, so do you play do you play as a character? Like are you a person? Are you are you do you play as a character All in right. this game? Do you play as a character? Do you play as a character? Yeah, do you play as a character? You're not a character in Tetris. Okay, then um, yes. A handless character. <laughs> <laughs> a fish, maybe. Ooh. You play as an animal? Echo the dolphin. 90s. The, no, question, 80s is, game, the yeah. question is, do you play as an animal? The answer is no. Fudge. And it's a multi-platform game? It, the, it is not exclusive to one platform. Oh, man. Um, hey, did it come out on the NES? Yes. All right, that'll help a lot. Yeah, I was thinking PC. And it, it came out on multiple systems, so it's just helpful that it's out on NES. But yeah. tons of stuff got ported. But I know that library really well, so that I helps like me. Yoshi's Cookie. He what, is, does he have hands? Was this game was this game uh, made? Was this game developed in Japan? Yes, Ooh, that's man. ten. Okay, we're halfway there. Japanese uh, NES game, non-exclusive, w- with multiplayer, where you can't see your hands or collect anything. At least before. January 1st, 1990. Our, oh, sorry, our, so like a racing game? Maybe I was thinking like it's RC Pro-Am, but that was made by Rare. But like something like that? Mm. Yeah, or like off-road racing or something like that. Yeah. Sight bike. But that's not multi-platform. Games. You see there? Oh, it's yeah, not. You can, well, and you no, can no we didn't games. ask. Are you, are you, it's a driving game. Are you in some kind of vehicle or ship? Yes. Woo! <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so Gradius. It could, it could be you know, Gradius, like, Life Force. Um... Mm, All of those stinger, our type, our type might be too new. You guys went straight to shooters, but we were on driving games, and those are yeah, equivalent. It's yeah. to be a driving game. I'm just trying to think about how many Japanese driving games there are. Well, is this a sci-fi game? No, oh, f- man. So that eliminates everything <laughs> we just listed. <laughs> That's the whole point. You want to eliminate everything you just thought no, of each round? Uh, this is a good question. This is a really good one. Yeah, I mean, okay. So is this a driving game? No. <laughs> But you're in a ship that's not sci-fi. Uh, It'd be oh, like Afterburner. Yeah, it could be like uh, I was trying. What's the one I was just picturing? Uh, 1942. Mm-hmm. Is it a is it a flying game? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, is it? So- does it take place in World War II? Yes. Okay. So does it take now- place in 1942? No. Does it take <laughs> place in 1943? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Yes, 1943, the Battle of Midway. How many questions was that? 13. Oh, wow. You usually don't like to do sequels. Yeah, well, that was the suggestion. This Ooh, time. That's such really a tricky tough. one. Yeah. Good. Really what if you had said so, 1942 and we were just like, oh, man, ah, we're walking away from this <laughs> we one. We could have. Yeah. <laughs> Developed by Capcom, yeah. released in arcades in 1987, but that came to everything. Yeah. Has there never been a 1944? No. Oh, there's no, no, no. Well, I don't know if there's. There's sequels. There's sequels like, like 1940XX. Yeah, there's yeah. never yeah. been a 44. I don't think they did 44, mm-hmm. but they did several sequels. What a great game. Dude. I love the EA giant the airplanes <laughs> that you have to slowly, like, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that a great yeah. concept that it's yeah. like, you know, like a more difficult airplane to fight? Bigger. Yep. Yeah. Well, yep. yeah, yeah, exactly. Just make them bigger. And what's interesting is that it's a Japanese-developed game, but you're playing as an American pilot, you know, fighting yeah. against the Japanese forces. It's I guess a, I never thought about that. Odd in that it, are, did they change it in Japan? I don't 
Not, not to my knowledge. Know. Or are you fighting against like some like anonymous? Yeah. I don't know. The, uh, the plot description. Propaganda when we were kids. It is. The plot description from the. Uh, well, that one's the Battle of Midway for 1933. Yeah. 1943. Yeah. So that's. Yeah. I've never given that an ounce of thought. That's a little awkward. Isn't I it? think some of the uh, sequels get more a little more sci-fi yeah. with like mm-hmm. bizarro like spaceship planes that you have to yep. fight against with lasers and stuff. It's cool. That's a really cool series, especially the later ones that came in the 90s. are very impressive in the arcades. 1943. Thank you for the suggestion, Billy. And I think that's all the scoops that we have for you this week. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Sam. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop. And we're out. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.